Welcome to the ABCs of Matrescence. We are two mamas, Emma and Mackenzie, and both have toddler age boys. Here on our podcast, we chat all things real motherhood from A to Z and everything in between. Matrescence is the process of becoming a mother, and that is exactly what we dive into on each and every episode. So welcome, everybody. Thanks, as always, for listening. I am, well, I started to say solo, but sans Mackenzie today, but I'm super excited because we have an awesome guest on the show. So we want to welcome Brett Russo. Hi, Brett. Hi. (laughs) We are so excited um, to have come across her amazing book. So we uh, came across her memoir, The Underwear in My Shoe, which is really a detail of her motherhood journey through IVF. And um, it it really touched us personally as we've both gone through our own fertility journey. And we were so excited to have the opportunity to let her share her own story on our podcast. Um, The Underwear in in My Shoe is just both a laugh out loud book. I can't tell you how many times I was cracking up and reaching over to my husband and being like, oh my God, do you remember this part? Because it was so similar and made me crack up and also made me cry at at many points. So it's just so relatable. And we found ourselves really cheering Brett on throughout the book, um, while also really feeling that deep personal connection to any person that's yearning to have a child and meet their child and, you know, going through the struggles that that may take. So this book is really for any mother to read or any person. And so, you know, you may see the title and think, oh, IVF or something like that. I didn't go through that next. But I really want people to listen to this episode because I I think you would be surprised at how many other women in your life might have gone through a a fertility journey. And it's so important to have a better understanding of what that could be like and how you can also truly support that friend. So anyway, welcome, Brett. Um, Why don't you tell us just to get going a little bit about you and your family? Well, first, thank you for that introduction. It was very nice, and I'm so excited to be here. I really am. Um, So, yeah, so basically, um, you know, I'm a Jersey girl. I moved to New York. Um, I met my husband when I was uh, 35 years old. We had gone to college together, and, you know, we got married a year later. And, uh, you know, jumped into a marriage, took a little time off, traveled a little, and then kind of got upended a little bit when our uh, journey to become parents took a a, a halt. And uh, that's really what this book is about. And, uh, you know, when you find yourself in the middle of it, not ready for it. um, You know, I'm from this big Italian family where there's cousins and kids and brothers and sisters and everyone. Um, So it was definitely an interesting start to my journey, an unexpected one for sure. Yeah, absolutely. I'd say so. I don't think anybody necessarily expects to when they think they want to start a family. Heck, I I always laugh how much money I wasted in birth control taking it, you know, when I'm like, oh, my gosh, I had no idea how difficult this was going to (laughs) be. It's also funny when you when you don't really you say things like, you know what, I'm going to start this time because I have a wedding here and I want to be pregnant here. It's like when you think you actually can decide, you know. Well, I think that's what we want, though, is we want to have control over things. And it's very humbling when we realize we have very little control. So I'm not going to say control freak, but I'm, I'm up there. And, uh, you know, you you do things a certain way and you get rewarded in ways Um for being healthy, for being driven, for being passionate about things. And this was something that was tough because it was something that you really couldn't try harder at or you couldn't will your way in. It was just, it, it was what it was, um, no matter how far I got into it. And that was definitely something that was hard to swallow. 
Yeah, it definitely can have a big impact, I think, on shaking your identity. As as you said, you describe yourself as, you know, if you work hard, you can make whatever you want happen. It's the American dream. That's what we do. And then, you know, you envision yourself being a mom and suddenly that's completely taken out of your hands and there's only so much you can do. And so, yeah, it makes you take a big deep dive in and, and just reexamine your life. So, um, you know, we definitely want readers to go check out your book. And so we would just like to know a little bit what made you decide to write a book? Because I mean, this is such a personal thing to go through. And, and it was a lot to share to everybody. So what made you want to, to put that out there? You know, when I was going through my I always loved to write. Um, but, you know, never really thought about, you know, really writing a book or anything. I, I guess I really didn't have anything in the past that I thought was interesting enough to talk about. Um, but when I was in the middle of my journey, I, I was really I got to a very dark place and I started writing down how I was feeling because it made me feel better. It made me help me to understand what I was feeling. And as I got deeper into it, um, I just kept writing. And, you know, when it got hard, I stopped for a while. Um, when we, you know, spoiler alert, when I w- did become pregnant, um, I wrote a message on Facebook saying, you know, we're expecting, I don't say this for you to be jealous that our life is perfect. I tell you that, you know, sometimes the road can be hard and kind of insinuating that we had some issues. And then I went to bed the next morning I woke up and I had about 80 messages, private messages from women in my past, friends of friends that were going through it and saying, I'm going through this too, and I feel alone. And and then at that moment, I realized that I had, a, I had to get this book out because I felt so alone in my journey. You know, no one I knew had gone through infertility. I didn't know about it. I had no, never in a million years thought that I would be someone that would have issues. You know, I didn't have health issues. I didn't have issues with my period or my menstrual cycle. I wasn't super stressed about being a mom. I mean, it, I really was surprised, you know, thinking all these things mattered, and it doesn't, obviously. And I realized how many women out there were struggling in silence, just like me. And I just, it became this passion project of mine to just get it out so that women out there can feel less alone. And, you know, I knew it was going to be hard because in order to really make it authentic, I had to be as vulnerable as possible. And I know when I was going through writing it with my husband, he would say, do you really want to put yourself out there like that? And I think he was a little embarrassed at certain points. And I just kept reiterating that this story was bigger than him or me. We were white noise in it. It's a story about, you know, I want women to take out of it what they need to and out of their own story. And um, just know that, you know, if I'm not going to be raw and real about it, it's not going to be authentic to the readers and they're going to see right through it. So I think, um, you know, the main goal was just to reach the women out there that were having a hard time. It didn't have anyone to go to and talk to. And, you know, it can be very isolating. And I didn't even know what to expect. I mean, when I was going through the process, I was shocked at how little I knew about IVF. And um, I was bitter at that. I was bitter that my doctors hadn't warned me or my gynecologists hadn't told me or, you know, there's so many things that you just don't realize until you're smack in the middle of it. And I felt like if I knew more about the process, I'm not going to say it would have been easier completely, but it would have been a little easy. I would have been prepared. Okay, this is a possibility. Okay, you could have multiple rounds. Okay, you could have not many eggs or, you know, whatever it was. I think knowing the options or 
the lay of the land would have been a little helpful. Um, and that was my goal in this book. I want people to read it and say, oh, my God, this is so me or or, oh, my God, I didn't realize this is what IVF was like. And maybe it would open someone else's eyes because people don't know. It's crazy how little people know. Well, infertility is still kind of almost this dirty little secret that nobody talks about. And I think there's, for a lot of women, shame involved, even though it's not our fault, you know, that things aren't quite working right or or a male's fault. I mean, I don't know how many women I know that have had some male factor infertility that heavens knows that's way, way more embarrassing even. But it totally is. And, you know, when I even shared with my closest girlfriends after the fact, stuff like, yeah, I went to the, you know, doctor and did vaginal ultrasound sounds three to four times a week. That was just like part of the daily routine for me when I was going through it. It's shocking to them. And and that is so isolating that even your closest people, people don't tell their families half the time because, you know, they also don't want to disappoint other people. They don't want to get their hopes up and then fail at it. And there's just so much that goes into that, you know, that is just awful for a woman to have to go through alone. So I think just knowing that they aren't alone, it is okay to talk about. It's not something that you should be ashamed of or really have to move through by yourself is is so important. So that's what we loved about your story. So did you always envision yourself wanting to be a mom? Is that something you always knew you'd wanted to do? Absolutely. Um, I definitely, I can't say my life revolved around it, um, but I definitely, you know, I come from a big family, Um, I have a twin brother, and we were always close. We have cousins that are close. And I always, without a doubt, wanted a family. Um, I was determined not to settle for the wrong partner. So I think it took me a long time to find my husband because I really, I wasn't, I I just, I didn't want to settle in that department. So I was later in life when I decided to start a family. My husband and I, actually, when we got married, said we didn't want to have kids. And then I decided... Okay, maybe I changed my mind. And that was like the second we found out we couldn't, we absolutely wanted them immediately. So it is so funny how that how that process works. It's so true. It's so true. It's a it's definitely you go through an emotional roller coaster through the whole time. You know, before you were saying how, you know, women don't really talk about it. It's funny because I did, you know, through this process, I've talked to hundreds of women and there were so many women that would say, all right, but my husband doesn't want anyone to know. So don't say anything or please don't use my name or please don't do this because they were embarrassed. And I think that that's where the failure comes from, that feeling of isolation, because you start this process, right? And it can be a long process and you start going through it and people don't know what to say or what to do. So slowly the people that used to go to for comfort don't know what to say and they say the wrong things and they fill you with things that just make you frustrated and make you feel misunderstood. And then you start pulling back and that's where the isolation comes from. And, um, it's hard because I had very close friends of mine that I just wasn't finding comfort from. Well, I think as you said, like it can be a very long process. Like, so if you even mention to somebody, well, okay, we're going to have to do IVF, then they're almost expecting like next month you'll be pregnant and they don't, necessarily understand and so after months and months and months of maybe not having happy news to give them it's kind of like yeah we're gonna stop asking and well I don't really want to hear them talk about any like you know even if that's not what they're saying it's just kind of this back and forth of you don't have anything else to share so then people stop asking and you feel this disconnect from everybody else around you totally and especially you're noticing everyone around you getting pregnant I mean I had friends with multiple kids and they'll say, oh, well, honestly, like it took me like six months to have my third kid. And you're like, yeah, not the same thing. Or they have a miscarriage yeah. in the middle of their second and third kid. And yes, that is a very hard thing to go through. 
but you know, it's not the same thing. And it's, mm-hmm. it's very, very difficult to say, well, actually, I don't think you realize the depth of how dark I am right now. You know, there are times where, I mean, I'm a, I'm a very positive person, like very. And I, I didn't even recognize myself. I mean, I was in a really bad place. And the deeper I got, you know, you think you'd get more into it or used to it. And it was, it was really bad for me. I felt really, really alone. Yeah, it's not something you become immune to the longer you go through it. <laughs> you don't toughen up into it, unfortunately. So so, so prior to deciding, I guess, you and your husband were ready, were you at all familiar with the IVF process? Or did you know anybody else personally that had gone through it and shared any of that with you? I'll be honest with you. I didn't. My husband's good friend, like best friend, um, they were going through it. And I always felt really bad for her. I didn't know really what it meant. I thought I did, but I really had no idea. Um, And I look back on some of the things maybe that I probably just grazed over with her and I feel horrible. Um, I mean, she became a huge outlet to me once we got in our own thing. But it was always someone like, oh, that's her. That's a girl with problems or that, you know, it was always just felt like it could never be me. Um, and I really didn't know anyone when I, when I got into it, I almost even, it even took me a round or two to actually get out of this denial. Like I was actually an IVF patient because I just had no clue what it was entailed. Like each part of the journey, you think, oh, this is going to be me, or I'm going to have an IUI and it's going to work for me. Or I'm going to have that fallopian tube test where it cleans out your fallopian tube. Oh, it's going to work for me because I don't really have problems, you know? Yeah. And when it doesn't and you, you keep you know, I'm going to say failing, even though that's not a good word to use in your heart, you feel like you're failing. And it's just, you know, it's a it, it's a it's a hard place to be. So tell us a little bit about, you know, you said you never had menstrual cycle issues going into, you know, trying to conceive. So what was that, I guess, diagnosis process like for you? Share a little bit about that story that kind of led you from you, you had no idea anything was wrong to IVF. So we went for our first, um, We'd been trying for, trying for about 10 months. Um, and I'll never forget, before I got married, I went to my gynecologist who was in New York, and I said, listen, I know I'm a little older. Should I be worried? She goes, you're not, you're not old in New York. Don't worry. And gave me this feeling like there was no issue. So we took a year off after we got married and didn't try, didn't do anything. We had a great, you know, whatever. So... When we were having trouble, obviously, you know, you think you're fine the first few months and then it starts getting like an obsession, right? And you're scared and you're like, oh, man, what's going on here? And you're heartbroken and everyone around you is working for in their first try and blah, blah, blah. So we went to the um, the clinic and I realized, you know, I was in this category called unexplained, which means that, you know, it was probably just my age. Um, I, I had no idea how much your age plays a role. Um where, you know, after 35 and even more specifically after 38, your egg, um, you know, the the amount of eggs that are viable go down by 50%. And then it goes to 60% and 70%. And it's very scary because age really does play a role. And it's just trying to find the right eggs. And I, I think when it's all said and done, my biggest problem was just finding viable eggs because even on my retrievals, they were only pulling two, three. I think my most was like six, um, where some girls get 15, 20. 
Um, and that's one of the things that surprised me was that I didn't realize that. I thought, all right, we'll have one round of IVF. I'll get all my embryos. I'll have three kids. It's going to be great. I can get through this. I didn't realize how hard it was to find eggs that were viable. Um, that process was a really, really eye-opening experience for me. And um, I did five. We had one successful round. And that's where we got two embryos. Um, but it was, uh, you know, it was definitely shocking. You know, you say even IVF isn't working for me. Like, what's going on here? You know? Yeah. And so in your book, you kind of detail how you definitely felt like the broken one since your husband wasn't the problem. And I remember this was one of those passages that just cracked me up because you talked about almost feeling like kind of angry that, of course, your husband, you know, he got a sperm sample test back. And of course, he was fine. And I remember my husband called me and said, hey, everything was fine on mine. And I just burst into tears because I was so angry at him that, of course, of course, you're totally fine. Of course, it's me. But you described feeling like the broken one. So can you share a little bit about how how you went through that and how that worked within your marriage to kind of navigate those feelings? Yeah, I mean, it was hard because I feel like, you know, when I found out everything was fine, I immediately, it just felt like there was a thousand fingers pointing at me. And, you know, luckily my husband didn't see it that way and he never did. Um, you know, he had this attitude where he wanted a baby with me, but if we couldn't have it, it was okay, you know, and um, which was unique. Um, but I kept thinking to myself, if it was the tables were turned, I think I would have been angry at him. I think I would have been mad or, you know what I mean? I would have probably, you know, obviously not said it, but I, I felt like I would be, I would have those things and I couldn't help but feeling you have to be feeling this way. You have to be mm -hmm. thinking, what if I was with someone younger? What if I, you know, that kind of thing. And that definitely started to get to me. I mean, he was extremely reassuring during those times for me. Um, never once, you know, he was always like, this is a we, this is a we, you know, this is our thing. It's not you. And so that was huge for me to get through that. Um, I remember having this moment when I talk about it in the book, I, I switched doctors, um, Dr. Scott at RMA, who was unbelievable. And I had already had two failed rounds and I went there, you know, and he w went through everything. He had a wonderful way about him, went through everything very, you know, you know, the whole process. And then at the end of it, he goes, do you have any questions? And I'm like, all right, well, should I eat less gluten or should I do acupuncture or, you know, should I take vitamins? And, you know, it's just kind of going on this rant. And he literally grabbed my wrist from the center of his desk and said, Brett, this is not your fault. And I remember just just crying because I have was I even get choked up now thinking about it. Like, I think we carry so much guilt on our shoulders and so much, um, you know, pressure that we don't even realize we're carrying, you know, we think that we can change this or do something about it. And, and we can't, and it's not our fault. And I think that that's a really important thing, a lesson to learn. And unfortunately I think we all learn it too late in our journey. Um, but anyone out there just know that it's not, it's really not your fault. And it, we, you know, we search for answers, eat pineapple, put your legs in the air, all these crazy things. And it's like, at the end of the day, like, you know, he humanized the process for me saying, listen, you're, you're not at fault here. Yeah, absolutely. And the fertility process can be very taxing on a couple. Um, I mean, emotionally, physically, financially, there's so many different factors that are involved. So how did this process affect your marriage? And, you know, how were you two able to 
go through it together? And did it bring you closer or tear you apart at times? Glad you asked this question because I think what happens, um, you think you're on the same page as your husband. Um, well, I did. And you get through it and it's such a grieving process. You know, you're going through your own grief that it's hard to remember that they're grieving too and that they're dealing with this too. And I think a lot of times I just couldn't deal with his grief. I, I was so in my own grief that I, and I knew that. I just, I couldn't, I couldn't deal with both our griefs. And I think that there was a very eye-opening experience for me. I think we were deep into, we had a third round that was unsuccessful. And I was having this moment of like, inspiration and I couldn't wait for him to get home and I was going to say listen I know there are eggs in there we just got to keep going as long as we can I know it and I remember him looking at me and like said we can't do this forever and I was it was the first time that I realized we weren't on the same page and um you know he said it's hard for me it's hard for me and I said no I know it's hard it's hard for me too he goes no it's hard for me to see you like this and I think that it's hard. It's a hard physical process. It's a hard emotional process. And I think, you know, we have a very, I'm going to, I'm going to quote unquote, good marriage. I think that we deal with problems very well and it even got the best of us. I mean, it's so important to talk and communicate whatever it is, even if it sounds crazy, even if you feel blame or whatever it is, you have to let it out. Because what happens is I think is that a bitterness starts, whether you want to or not. I don't care if you're like the greatest person in the planet. You can't help but start getting bitter. And um, I think that it's very easy to kind of project onto your partner and you just assume you get into this little selfish cove and it's hard to remember that, you know, they're going through it too. And you're both, you know, you're, you're, you're preparing for the battle of your lives, but you're the weakest you've ever been. You know, it's like running a marathon and not have trained for it it's really hard and you get tired. And the more time that goes by and the more negative results, you, you can get off pages. You could have started on the same page, but you know, I hear a lot of stories where, you know, one didn't believe in IVF and one didn't, one did, and one thought we should, they should keep trying and one didn't. And, you know, it's, it's just important to talk it out. I mean, it's not easy on a marriage. It's, it's not easy to come home at night and know that the stress is in your household. Like, well, and it can be so hard because it truly does consume your lives for quite a bit. You know, it, it's almost hard to focus or talk about anything else. And hey, granted, that happens when you have kids too. Your entire life shifts and now there's your life. You can't remember what it's like to have a coherent conversation, just the two of you over dinner. But, you know, yeah, the fertility process can utterly consume your life. And it can. You can easily become on different pages. I think especially for the spouse, you know, seeing the other person physically going through it and emotionally going going through it, they almost want to do anything to make it stop. And sometimes that can be, okay, maybe we just need to take a break. And then sometimes when you're the woman going through it, the last thing you want to do is take a break. It's no, we have to make this happen. No, we have to because you know, if you stop, then what you just have to sit in it. And that's very hard. <laughs> so yeah, it's a lot. I, I remember I was in one of the rounds and you know, you can't you know, drink or do anything. And I remember he was, had some people over and they were all having a fun night. And I'm sitting there like, I just, I was so bitter because I'm like, you know, you're going through this too, you know? And mm -hmm. it, it's hard because the women's physically going through it. And it's so easy to just, you see the sacrifices you're making both emotionally and physically. And, you know, it's that even st little things like petty things like that can just, separate you, you know, and I've, I've known a few couples that didn't communicate about it. And, 
you know, you don't want to get too far down the road and have and realize you're on different pages. So I can't say it enough, like communicate. And if you're having trouble communicating, just get a therapist, get just get it out. You got to get the gook out, you know? Yeah. Well, you definitely also talked about, you know, outside of your marriage, feeling isolated. And, you know, how did you find any kind of community, I guess, going through this process? And did hearing other women's stories when you were able to realize you weren't the only one going through it, did that help you? I did a horrible job of finding support. Um, I didn't, I'm not a big like podcast person, or I wasn't then. And I wasn't a big, you know, let me find a Facebook group. Let me do this. I did find support after the fact, especially while I was writing this book that I wish I had more of, had reached out more, like even in social media sites and things like that, because I think that would have been helpful for me. Um, I had one friend that went through it um, that I found out and she became someone that was a, a huge rock for me. And my advice to anyone out there is if you can latch on to someone that's been through it, it's a really important resource to have because I found myself being able to vent to her. She knew what to ask. She knew what not to ask. She was informative for me. Um, and I think that is what really helped me get through this. Um, I have a very supportive family. My mom and my twin brother were extremely supportive as well. In my I loved in the book hearing your relationship with your brother and just how he was definitely that like cheerleader person or waiting, you know, just as emotional when you got the good news and, and stuff like that. It seemed like such a, a great relationship. It was. And you know, it's funny, like, you'll notice like when you go through this, the people that are truly grieving with you are the ones that you want to be around. Totally. Well, speaking of that, you know, I- I'm sure you got a lot of bad advice, bad comments. Um, I, I'll never forget hearing, you know, why don't you just adopt a like, that's an easy situation. But all of those exceptionally, maybe kind hearted or, you know, thoughtful, but definitely not helpful um, feedback you get from people when you're going through this process, if you do decide to share. So what did you find that maybe was helpful, you know, for people that may not be going through it, but may have a friend or somebody go through it. What is some feedback I guess you could share on ways to best support a friend going through this journey? I mean, I think the main thing I I realized from going through my journey, which I'm actually feel blessed to have had my eyes open to this is that everyone has their thing. Okay. Whatever it is. And I don't care what anyone says, unless I don't care what book you've read or who, unless you've been through something yourself, you, whether it's a, a death of a spouse or a loved one or cancer or an eating disorder or whatever your thing is, like unless someone's been through it, it is very difficult to understand. And I think that people struggle because they say, I, I want to know what it's like. But I think the key is, is just to say, listen, I don't know what you're going through, but I want to be here for you. And the worst thing to do is pretend that you know what it's like to go through or to, to give advice on something that you don't know about because what all it does is trivialize the feelings of the person. So I think like the most important thing to remember is like you don't have to totally understand. People aren't expecting it, but just be there. You know, don't ask for updates, but always say, I just want you to know I'm here for you and I know you're hurting and, you know, that kind of thing. Like don't put advice out there that is just, I don't know. I think just less advice in general and more just 
being there and listening, I think is is what's most helpful. You don't you don't need I think we all want to try to do that comparative suffering of relating to them in some way, as you kind of said of, oh, yeah, well, I went through you talked about, you know, I had a miscarriage in between kids three and four. I'm sure that was hard. But it's not the same thing as the fact that you went through five rounds and years of IVF. It's not the same thing. And again, it's not saying one is worse than the other. It doesn't have to be a competition. Um, so I think just kind of taking that out of the equation and just being being a listening ear and a, a shoulder to, to cry on. Yeah, and that's, I think, one of the beauties of going through this experience. It really gives you a level of human awareness that I didn't have before. Um, and I, 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 I would say that I'm a very empathetic person and I do care but I didn't realize what people could be carrying you know I thought of how many times I went to work and no one knew that I was you know bawling my eyes out because I just found out an embryo didn't work or I was putting injections in my stomach or rushing home in between meetings or you know nobody knows that you know and you realize like what people may be going through I had a friend of mine that lost her husband and I realized, like, I didn't, in the past, I probably wouldn't have even known what to say, or if she's not vocal about being sad, maybe she's handling it fine, and it's fine, but I remember saying to her, I don't know what this is like, but I, I want to be here for you, and I, I'll be, I'll do whatever I can to let you know that I'm right by your side, and I'm not going to pretend to know what you're going through, but I'm here for you, and I think that she told me after, you know, months later, after she healed a little more, how much that meant to her, because... And, you know, our process, too, you know, it's like you just want to know that people haven't forgotten about you, you know, mm-hmm. and sometimes you want someone to say, you know what, that sucks. And I'm sorry you're going through this. Not, oh, don't worry. It's fine. You know, so yeah. I had a cousin who was like, this sucks. There's no way around it. This is just unfair and it sucks. And sometimes yeah, that's what you want. You want to just feel pitied, you know. Absolutely. I think that there are just different levels of grief that you go through throughout the process. And so I think just being being able to let some of those come out however they need to with people that you feel safe and supported by is just so, so helpful. And I mean, I think I think I've even just learned don't ask people that you don't know very well, you know, so when are you having babies? It's such a loaded question. And that's something I've been guilty of because, you know, you have friends, they get married, you're casually like, okay, guys, when's the baby coming? And I don't know how many times people ask me that, you know, several years in and you're like, if it was only that simple, you know, so I think just really awareness of, of maybe, you know, you don't know what people are going through and their challenges. So be careful what you say. Yeah. And I think an- another huge thing too is, you know, Nobody knows what anyone's journey, how it's going to end. You know, people would say to me, it's going to happen. I'm like, well, how do you know it's going to happen? You know what I mean? Like, you don't know if it's going to happen. And I think like the important thing for women going through this is don't, um, and I think I mentioned this in the book, like, don't create your ending before it happens. Don't jump to conclusions. Just take it day by day because your brain can go so far ahead of you. And, you know, you're not a doctor. You're not a fortune teller. You know, you just got to take it day by day. And, you know, don't write your ending. They're, they're, they, they will end somehow. Um, and it, it always sucks because I always said, if I knew how the journey would end, the journey wouldn't be as hard. It's, you know, if you knew what it, it was at the end and, Um, there's so many things and I'm not downplaying the mourning process or the grieving process behind any of these things, but there's so many options out there, beautiful options that if you want to be a mother, you will be somehow hook or crook, you will be a mother. And, um, that's the most important thing. And that's another lesson that I learned 
a little late in my process, but I don't think you can rush that that process. I don't think you can rush um, that mental process of getting your head around um, endings that weren't your original vision. Yeah, you kind of just have to walk through it and experience it. And yeah, absolutely. So we want to know a little bit of fun stuff about, so spoiler alert, you got pregnant. Congrats. You have a lovely two-year-old. Um, so we want to know, our, our podcast, we focus a lot on the postpartum and some of those challenges that happen. You know, I, I think especially if you go through the fertility journey, there's a little bit, I guess, of I will just be so grateful and be the perfect mother if, if you just let me get pregnant. You know, there's that almost bargaining of, you know, I'll never be angry at my child. I'll only adore it. And pregnant, you know, postpartum, little kids, it's hard. So can you share with us just a little bit about what your, I guess, your pregnancy postpartum journey was like? Sure. I mean, my pregnancy, um, I had a very hard time being excited. So I had a lot of bleeding and I was constantly afraid that it was a miscarriage or this and the next shoe was going to drop because I had one transfer and it worked. Um, And I, I, you know, I didn't, I was just like a battered puppy, like not knowing what, you know, if it was going to work. Well, it doesn't feel real until you hold a baby. Like even when you're pregnant, you know, if you go through that much, it always kind of feels like it can be pulled out from under you. Yeah. So I definitely, um, you know, everyone thought since I was pregnant, why wasn't I screaming and dancing and buying baby clothes? And, you know, I had a very hard time letting go. I think I was so close to the grief still. I mean, it, you know, it did change me and it was a really hard thing for me to go through. And all of a sudden the switch was turned and I was pregnant. I'm like, well, I don't feel excited. I feel very like, it wasn't even nervous. I got to tell you, I wasn't nervous, which I know a lot of women are and they should be because it's just, you know, you're, you're trained to be nervous, but I wasn't nervous. I was just like, I don't know if I could like snap out of this grief. I was just, I think that took me a while. I think, um, you know, and I talked to that in the book about how, you know, I finally, um, you know, was able to distance myself enough and say, okay, that I can, I can say goodbye to that part of my life. It's okay to move on. And I think I almost felt guilty about like, even when I have to go back to my clinic for the first few tests and things, and I look at these women and I just, I felt like I was leaving them behind. I literally felt like, it's just, I, I don't, I almost felt like more at home with them than I did at my OBGYN. Yeah, it becomes so much of your identity that that you got used to for years and years. And it is strange to move to the other side of it. Yeah, and even when I wrote this book, I felt bad because I'm like, you know, there are women out there that are struggling and I don't want them to think that because the ending was an ending that was a happy ending, it doesn't mean that, you know, I don't want to address the the women that are heartbroken out there, mm-hmm. you know. Um, but once I got pregnant, I, I mean, once I had the baby, I had a huge dose of perspective. Um, I, I kind of was always like, all right, you know what? I, I was very close to, um, you know, understanding how badly I wanted it. But then I felt guilty when I wanted to complain about it because I would think like, well, people, you wanted it so bad and now you're complaining and it's hard, you know, you're, it's messy, you know, you're, you're not yourself, your, your relationship with your husband's hard because you're just tired and cranky and you're constantly thinking, is he doing enough? Am I doing enough? You know, um, so it's hard and you almost feel guilty complaining because you're like, well, I wanted this so bad and now I'm going to complain about it, you know? 
Yeah, that's definitely something I think, at least I personally experienced, even throughout the pregnancy, ever complaining of morning sickness, because heaven for, you know, how could I complain? This is what I wanted so bad. But it also doesn't mean it sucks any less, you know, it doesn't mean you're not grateful. But I think that is a hard juxtaposition when you've gone through a fertility journey. Yeah, and not to scare young mothers out there, because it is truly the greatest thing. Like, it is a dark place as a young mom. Like, you know, you're just, you're kind of isolated from the world, um, especially if you're breastfeeding. I mean, I did it for a hot second because I just, it was so hard. But um, it's, uh, it's a lot. It's hard. It's hormonal. Your body, oh my God. Like, it's a lot of, you get beaten up, you know? Um, so, it you know, it is a dark place. But again, I think with everything else, like talk to women going through it. I had my um, sister-in-law was about a year ahead of me and um, with her baby and she was up late at night and we just texted her all night long when things were crazy and when I felt judged or this or that. And, you know, it becomes a joke if you have someone you can like really relate to, but you got to get it out. I mean, don't think you're just going to sit there and be Miss Perfect. Well, this is why we started this podcast is because we almost felt like there wasn't enough people talking about how stinking hard it is. And I adore my son to the moon. Like there, you know, but I feel like you have to preface everything with, I love my child, but this is really hard, you know? And I think it's, it's just okay for it to be hard and for you to love your child. You know, it's not a one or the other. I know, you know, and I, I'm hoping the days of women being perfect for each other are over because it's such, it's so much more refreshing when you're talking to someone that is just real and honest about the process. And, um, you know, because everyone knows, everyone's, everyone, I don't care who you are and how much you have your shit together, everyone's fighting the same battle. And it's hard. It's amazing, but it's hard. Oh, yeah. Every mother I know has had to drag a screaming toddler out of Target at some point. So, you know, as cute as your Christmas photos may be, we know you've been there. So, so you had your, your first baby. So let's just speed forward. Catch us up to date. Where are you now? So um, my second embryo became my son number two, and he's five months old. Um, and uh, if you think one's hard. Oh, God, it's horrible. <laughs> I literally, like, I'll say one, I'm going to say was looking back and not, not that much of a game changer too. Oh my God. Talk about guilt of complaining, but wow. What an eye opening experience It's hard, but he's amazing. I have two boys and, uh, you know, things are going good, you know, two under two in a um, pandemic. It's amazing. Oh, uh, it's a, it's a tough season for everybody, but you know, I, we really, really appreciate, um, we loved reading your book. We really want listeners to go, to go find it. So why don't you tell them where you, where they can, you know, go grab it. Where's the best place for them? Uh, I think the best place is probably just Amazon. I think like my wish for this, whoever's out there is just like, let me be a part of your journey and let me like, you know, just laugh and just be able to in those moments, like I always say sometimes like cry so hard that you're laughing about how hard you're crying. You know, sometimes you just have to go in the shower and just cry your eyes out. And I, I want you know, whoever's going out there and feeling alone, like, I want you to pick up this book and say, it's okay to laugh and it's okay to be sad and it's okay to want to, like, strangle your sister-in-law and whatever it is. Like, I just want to be there for you in this journey because that was the entire purpose of writing it. And I hope that you can pull from it anything you need. And I wish you so much luck in your own journeys. I really do. Well, I can say as a reader, that is exactly what you'll get from it as you really, 
you really feel an intimate connection to your story and everything you've gone through and you'll laugh and you'll cry and you'll feel all the ups and downs. So I'm so grateful that you, you know, decided to sit down and write it and share such a personal part of your life. So um, and if are you on social media anywhere for people to follow you connect? Yes, I have um, a website. It's brett-russo.com. And then my Instagram is brusso 18 So um, you can find me there um, and all the latest updates on the book and press releases and podcasts is um, on that website, the brett-russo.com. So that's probably the best place. And there is a place you can reach out to me and reach out to me. I get back to everybody. So, you know, please reach out if you're having a moment, if you're whatever. I don't even know. I I would love to be here for you. Well, I think so much. It's just nice if, if somebody is starting this journey or is even way deep in this journey to have somebody that can reach out to and connect with. So absolutely. Well, thank you so, so much for your time today with your two-year-old and your five-month-old Oive. So I'll let you get back to it. But thank you again so much. And we'll put all of this information in the show notes. And we really, really want people to go check out the book. So whether this is something you've gone through personally or you know a friend, this is definitely a wonderful read. So thank you so much for your time. And we will talk to you guys soon. Bye.